Hey guys, it is Jordan. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to personally invite you to our next Speak Truth Without Fear community event. It's next Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. To sign up and register for free, all you gotta do is click the link in this description for the podcast or email community at speaktruthwithoutfear.com. We got Kongman Lee on today on the podcast and myself. This is the Speak Truth Without Fear podcast. What is going on, guys? This is Jordan, one of your hosts, and uh, for the Speak Truth Without Fear podcast. And normally, Ross DeBoss is on me, uh, on me. <laughs> Dear Lord, we're going to leave this in. We're not going to start all over. We're going to leave this in. This is great. <laughs> Dear God. Ro- Ross, we miss you, bro. <laughs> normally, Ross DeBoss is with me uh, co-hosting this podcast uh, but congratulations to Ross because yesterday him and his wife had their baby. And so he is not here today. Uh, we love you, Ross. We're Congratulations. And uh, can't wait to see you back on Thursday. Um, but I reached out to one of my really good friends. I mean, I've met so many incredible people over the last nine months since I've kind of got into this conservative commentary Instagram space. Um, and one of them is Kongman Lee. He's one of my, you know, really one of my best friends on social media that I've met through this, um, through Instagram and we have the same values and uh, we've kind of started right around the exact same, same timeline. And it's just so cool to see him grow, him become a leader. Uh, he's got a huge stance, strong stance on Christian values. Um, he stands, he's a big pro-life advocate and I just, I'm a huge fan of his content. So Kongman Lee, bro, Welcome. Thanks for having me, man. You're too kind, dude. You are just too <laughs> kind. And for everyone listening, like Jordan has a much bigger heart than I do. So uh, he gives me too much props, but I love this and I'm glad to be here. No, it's, it's great having you, man. So, I mean, we talk quite often and, um, you know, I follow your page. I know you follow mine as well and we stay in touch. And I saw last week, um, recently you got let go by your job and what we're going to, I want I want you to share a little bit on that story um, because it has to do a lot with the politics of, or you being a conservative. And I would love to see, you know, what was their response and how you're responding from it all. But with that being said, I mean, how long, first of all, how old are you? 24. You're 24 years old. And how, I mean, have you always been interested in politics? Cause pretty much every day. And I text you this like last week, I was like, Bro, did you tweet, like I wake up in the middle of the night and it'll be four o'clock in the morning and you're tweeting. And then two hours later I wake up because I'm actually waking up from my day and you're still tweeting. And then I'll see you be tweeting at 11 o'clock at night. Do you sleep or do you have someone that tweets for you and posts for you? Uh, you're, dude, you are, you are the content king in my book. <laughs> uh, but, have you, <laughs> but have you... I mean, ha- has this been like something that you've always planned? Like, I want to be in politics. I want to post politics. Um, what is this all new and how this even happened? Yeah, uh, this is very new. So I was the most apolitical guy growing up. Um, even throughout college, I hated politics. I never talked about politics. And when people would talk about politics, I'd be like, oh. Shut up, you know, and I'll just drown it out because literally all I cared about really growing up was grades, girls, and that's really it. Like yeah. <laughs> grades and girls, uh, <laughs> grades and girls, two G's. Um, and so <laughs> I was very, very, very apolitical and I was just where most Americans, I think where most Americans find themselves today, uh, most millennials and Gen Zers find themselves today where you're just in a bubble you've had a good your whole life for a lot of your life and um all the politics don't affect you directly and it's very slow changes that you're willing to compromise on your values and your lifestyles in order to preserve that um illusion of freedom and so that's how i lived my life and even throughout college i hated trump i hated conservatives i thought the only really people were conservative yeah no i remember i was talking to one of my good friends and so i was the president of my campus ministry in college 
And he said, hey, man, like, I'm struggling. Can we talk? And I'm like, yeah, dude, like, of course, I'd love to be there for you. So we met up and he talked and he was telling me how he was struggling a lot, a lot with his club. And the club he was a part of was College Republicans. And I was like, the whole time, the back of my head, I was like, what the crap? Why is this guy a Republican? That's disgusting. You can't. I literally thought you can't be a Christian and be a Republican. Like, I literally thought wow. that all conservatives and people who vote Republicans were gun-toting, white supremacist, racist bigots who live in the boonies of Ohio. Like, I thought yeah. those were the only people who were conservative. And I hated Trump. I believe, believed all the lies about him. And I was like, you know, this is all stupid politics. I hate it. Whatever. Then... Uh, last semester of college, fall of 2019, right before COVID, uh, I actually woke up and I was red-pilled. I realized the media was lying about Trump and I realized that conservatism, at least our modern understanding of American conservatism, comes from Christianity because American conservatism comes from valuing our founding principles, the Constitution, um, yep. traditional American values, and all these things stem from Christianity. Yeah. So I'm like, wow, like it's compatible and it comes, it's literally stems from Christian values. So politically, if you are a God fearing, Jesus loving, Bible um, affirming Christian, then right. you are a conservative. Like there's no way around it. And I woke up and I was like, shoot, but you know, all my friends are liberal. Like I went to school in LA, so everyone's <laughs> liberal. They would cancel me. So I was pretty quiet about it. And then George Floyd died. And then Oof. George Floyd died. And then every single i i i am not exaggerating when i say say this but like nearly every single person that i knew because most of my friends were liberal um even the most apolitical ones were posting black squares for blackout yep. tuesday and saying stand in solidarity and the time to be silent about racism is over and i'm like wow you guys wow like you guys are brainwashed and being used as pawns of the enemy to divide and, and sow bitterness and resentment and division within not only the church but within like all of america where we're going we're regressing back to an age where we judge people based on the color of their skin and not by the content of their character right and so i was like i gotta speak up so i shared candace owens video about george floyd and then i got hammered like completely hammered so is this like you're coming moment. out party politically <laughs> yeah yeah it was um because actually i was still pretty silent conservative and when i went to ywam in january 2020 um and i went to kona and i d did a dts discipleship training school i was still quiet about my politics because i was like oh but then i saw a lot of people there were very openly pro-trump yeah. and i was like whoa yeah. Like I can be openly pro-Trump here. This is great. Wyrmers, uh, they're they're yeah, they're pretty conservative. I love Wyrmers. Yeah, ob obviously because you know when you're a you know when you are pro walking in the spirit. Yeah, when you're walking in the spirit and you understand what God values and you yeah. apply biblical the your biblical and the biblical worldview to politics, you are a conservative. Um, but yeah, so then but it was really like publicly, I came out as a conservative when um, George Floyd died, and that was it. Yeah, and then that was it. And then I realized, wow, like everyone is so blind. And not only are people blind and misinformed, but this is spiritual warfare. Because so, go keep going. Yeah. Sorry. Well, well, I was just gonna say because like it's spiritual warfare because yep. like all my friends who are professing Christians were saying the nastiest things to me and being irrational, irrationally like they were just lashing out at me irrationally. And without listening to me, without considering what I have to say, and I was like, wow, like the demon really, like the devil really has a grip on these people. And I'm like, man, like I need to speak out for the truth and show people the truth because the truth sets you free. So he started to speak out and I started to make content. That's kind of like how I got started. And at that time, you had how many followers? So I actually didn't, you know, like I only did Instagram for photography or about my life. And I only had like a thousand so followers, but then I made a new Instagram. I made a new Instagram around August of 2020 and I made it private and only a few of my close friends followed me. I only had like uh, maybe like 200 followers. Okay. And then I made it public in October around no October, November, because I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all the way because yep. we're losing this country right now. Yep. 
And then that's how we got started. Yeah. And we went from 200 to 100,000 in less <laughs> than a year. Unbelievable. Um, and again, it's not about the following. What it is is about impact. And there's, I mean, mm -hmm. what Kongman's doing, Kong, you're going to DC this weekend to stand for, uh, for, Christians who've been martyred. You were in D.C. last week or two weeks ago, st you know, standing for, I mean, standing for truth and just joining together with people all over the nation to worship Jesus. You go to pro-life events. I mean, Kongman is not just someone that goes on and posts videos just to make content, to get famous and get popular, because trust me, it is exhausting. It's <laughs> not, it really, it's really not fun. It, I, I really want to know what it has done to all of our mental health because I know that it definitely does affect us. And I'm now at the place personally where I'm now sleeping with my phone outside of my door. I don't want it anywhere near me because if I wake up in the middle of the night, I want to check something. I just have this like, what's going on in the world? Did I miss something? I need to be the first to post it. All of these like initial reactions that just hit you, the more that you're in this digital space, it does affect you. And that's why it's so important um, well, that's why I'm, it's, it is a tough world, and um, I just got so much respect for Kongman. So one thing I want to get to, though, a lot of people, they're getting red-pilled now because of the lockdowns, COVID. They're seeing, holy crap, Biden didn't, is not who he says he was. He is destroying this country. I mean, so many people have, begin, have, begin, have begun to get red-pilled over these last six to nine months. But you got red-pilled beforehand, which is very, very rare. This is before Trump took over. So if, like, if we can hit on this for like two to three minutes, like what was it that, what was that first moment where you're like, hold on a second, like I've been, I'm believing a lie or maybe, because it, it really takes some really, um, what's the word I'm looking for, like self, um, I can't even say the word, but analyzing yourself and ask, like really asking yourself, hey, Am I really believing what's really true? And am I, do I know what's going on in really reality right now? What was that first moment that kind of, you kind of, for the first time, took that little dose of a red pill? Yeah, so it was Trump. It was Trump himself. So, you know, like I mentioned before, I hated Trump. I thought he was the worst person in America. <laughs> I didn't before think he was he, Before he ran or after he started running? Or during his presidency, like during college. I thought he was just the worst person in America. Uh, because I believed all the mainstream lies and all my friends around me were saying how terrible Trump was. And I didn't, obviously, I wasn't like a complete, like, idiot. I didn't think he was worse than Hitler, but I thought he right. was a pretty bad person. But then I came across a video about him talking about illegal immigrants. And I was like, oh, typical. It was, I think it was a Now This video. And they're saying, oh, look, Trump called Mexicans oh, rapists Mexicans and rapists. drug dealers, you know? And I was like, oh, typ typical Trump. And then I saw a comment, and then a comment on that video said, here's the full clip to that portion of the speech. Watch it and decide for yourself whether or not he actually said that. Wow. And I was like, interesting. I haven't actually watched a full clip of what Trump said, so I was like, click. Watched it. Only, it, was, it was only like a few minutes long. And then I watched it, and then I was just like, wow. Like, even with my bias against Trump, even against, even with my hatred and animosity against him and his, his supporters, I was like, man, it would have been so intellectually dishonest for me to watch that video and conclude that he called Mexicans and he targeted Mexicans and he was saying Mexicans were right. rapists, uh, drug dealers, bringing crime into this country. And he's, he clearly said those crossing the border illegally. And I was right. like, okay. So then, you know, anyone can cross cross the border illegally. Anyone from South America, and we see today, like even this past week, Haitians coming into Mexico and then crossing the border illegally. So it's like, okay, so he wasn't targeting Mexicans, but then are the people crossing the border illegally really bringing in crime? Are they raping women at the border? Are they trafficking children? Are bringing in drugs? Are they actually doing this? I looked this up. Holy crap! <laughs> Holy crap. No, it's really bad and people don't yeah. realize this and you know the border crisis isn't something I'm like super super passionate about and people like Alex Lanes are really passionate about it which right. I really support but it is something that I do care about and the reason why I care about it is because children are being trafficked. Yep. Young girls are being gang raped at the border. Yep. Drugs are coming in. Most of the drugs that, you know, like fentanyl, right? Fentanyl. George Floyd overdosed on fentanyl. Where did that come from? The southern border. Exactly. Drug cartels make over $25 million a week on that border. And then on top of that, all these illegal immigrants are coming in, stealing our jobs, you know, 
driving down wages, benefiting these huge companies, exploiting the working class. I'm like, wow, this is a problem. Yeah. Like, and as a Christian who cares about regular Americans and working class people, and also I care about children not being trafficked and women not being raped and drugs not coming in. I care about this stuff. And holy crap, as a legal immigrant myself, I was born in Korea. And I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> and this is not xenophobic. This is just caring for your nation and caring for regular people. So I'm like, holy crap, I've been lied to. And then I started to watch PragerU videos. I started to watch Ben Shapiro Destroys videos. Mm-hmm. I binge watched... Yeah, I binge watched uh, Steven Crowder's Change My Mind uh, segments on college campuses. And I realized there and then, wow, I've been lied to. Yeah. These people, our ruling class and these, the, the mainstream left, these are nefarious, evil people who will lie to you, deceive you in order to consolidate power and wealth. And I'm just like, wow, I have been lied to. And then I would yeah. talk to my roommates about it. And then there were, one of them was apolitical and the other one was pretty liberal and he would challenge me. And I'm like, wow, like I haven't heard that. Maybe I need to look into that more where they're talking about, oh, Trump firing people or Laura Ingram calling this rapper this. And I realized all of that too, when I looked into it, all lies. And that's what woke me up. And I realized there, again, like I mentioned before, I researched what is conservatism and what do conservatives today in America believe? And I'm like, wow, yes, this is all literally compatible and in alignment with scripture like all of it and i'm like because it comes from scripture so i'm like wow like like i realized and this is the standard i'd hold everyone who claims to be conservative to is that conservatism today is the application of christian morals and politics and it doesn't mean say that again conservatism conservatism today today is the application of christian morals and politics all, all our ideas of freedom, e pluribus unum, imago dei, all these things, the reason why murder is illegal, the reason why stealing is bad, the reason why we have all these laws and regulations, the reason why we have checks and balances, all these things is because it comes from the Bible. Yep. And we see in the Declaration of Independence that we have rights endowed unto us by our creator that pre-exists yep. government. And that creator is God. It is the Christian God. That's what the founding fathers were talking about. So I realized this and I realized, wow, well, the left advocates for killing babies, um, chemically castrating children, uh, fornication, pornography, sodomy, um, homosexuality, gender dysphoria, all these things that are complete opposition with scripture. And I'm like, they well... Want, they want the Bible out of schools. Yeah. Yeah, they, they hate God. And I'm like, hate wow, God. well, am I going to listen to people who say they love God? Or am I going to listen to people who say they hate God? And I will probably, even if those people who are weaponizing scripture and using God just as a political tool, like I know a lot of conservatives do that, but I would rather give the benefit of the doubt to them than people who avowedly say that they hate God, they hate Jesus, and they think that Christianity is just a perpetuation of white supremacy. (laughs) Class, it's it's so classic. And really, the media has been one of the biggest recruiters for dropping or one of the biggest red pill droppers for so many people all across this nation and the world. I mean, I have so many friends, they bring up that moment, um, you know, where Trump said all Mexican are rapists, the moment in Charlottesville where, you know, the media, I mean, that was like a pure edit. Like they literally just like did a full on edit and everyone freaked out. And one of my really good friends, who's a videographer in Los Angeles, he did all of our music videos. I remember him coming to come into one of our shoots as we were doing a music video and he was so pissed about it. He was so angry, like Trump's an effing racist, man. I can't believe he said there's good people on the other side. These are a bunch of white supremacist Nazis. And I'm like, bro, when you get home tonight, watch the full clip and tell me who he was talking about. And he did. And no lie, literally, uh, he's JD, James Davis. He was on my podcast and the Instagram live show, uh, to, like, uh, the Speech Without Fear Instagram live show about two months ago, where the title is, My Name's James Davis, and this is why I left the Democratic Party. Because he got completely red-pilled by, holy crap, I'm being lied to. And if they're lying about this, then what else are they lying about? And we saw this again yesterday take place at the border, 
where you have the media telling people on main like everywhere that the border is cracking whips on the Haitian people as they're like trying to cross they're not even trying to cross the border. It looked like even in the picture, the dude's smiling. I don't know if you saw it, he's like <laughs> And they're literally saying that and media, even the commentators are like, this is incredible. And again, imagine if this was under Trump. Because it's under Biden, it's on the Texas Governor Abbott. But if Trump was in office, we wouldn't even be hearing about the Texas governor. We'd be hearing, oh my gosh, this is Trump's fault. This is the this is Trump's America. Um, but no credit's gonna happen. And they're just completely, you know, moving on from this. But mm-hmm. media is wild, man. And it is, it, they have been one of the best recruiters, I would say, for the conservative America First Party. But you've been talking a lot about your faith, bro. Um, and I know that Christianity and you, you know, a lot of people we've always heard is, especially growing up, don't mix up church with politics. Like, the church shouldn't be involved. And I believe that we are where we are today for two reasons. One, Yes, we've been the silent majority, but majority of conservatives, a good portion of them, I would probably say in the upper 80%, maybe even higher, are Christians. Um, And we have been told our whole life that Christians and pastors and churches should not be in politics, should not speak uh, speak their truth or the truth from the pulpit into because it's too divisive. But I believe we are where we are today because the church lost its voice in the midst of the silence where you throughout all your content every single day. I mean, you are, you, you talk, you're bold about Jesus, your beliefs, the truth, you're, you, you do not, you're unapologetic, unapologetic about it. So do you believe that the church and needs to get more involved. Pastors need to get more involved. They, whether they are encouraging the people to run or speaking truth about their values and what scripture says, or do you really believe that the church should really kind of stay out of it like they've already been doing? Oh, no, absolutely. They need to engage politics. That's the biggest lie, right? And a lot of times Christians cited, oh, the live and let live thing. It's like, there is no live and let live. That is a complete lie because yeah. they're coming for you. You know, when when the whole um, LGBTQ agenda first started, it was like, we want our rights. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you know, if if two, like, same-sex attracted people, they want to be lovers. I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know necessarily if it's in the purview of government to prohibit that. Right. But it's not live and let live. The whole idea that it's not hurting anybody, it's it's false, it's patently false. The Bible is very clear, all sin has consequences, but the ones who suffer the most, the ones who always have to pay the price for the wickedness and foolishness of adults are our children. So that's mm-hmm. why you have now Pete Buttigieg with his husband, husband, um, <laughs> sitting on a hospital bed acting like they gave birth to twins. Now, poor children. Now those two twins have to grow that those two children have to grow up without a mother in the home. And that's harmful. And then, you know, they're not even Pete Buttigieg is not even that those children's biological dad. Like, so it it, it is harmful. Did his husband literally give birth? No, they didn't. Like they had a surrogacy. Right. And (laughs) so they had a woman. Um like give birth to twins and then they literally had a photo shoot in a hospital bed acting like they gave birth and (laughs) this is harming our children and we know that it is right you go to you go to these pride parades and you go to these pride marches and then they're they're grown adults doing kinky sexual acts in front of children and doing it for children you see the lgbtq agenda in schools where they're teaching five-year-olds how to masturbate, telling five-year-olds that they can change their gender. They're having drag queens twerk and dance for children on Nickelodeon, on Cartoon Network. There is no such thing as live and let live because there is no such thing as moral neutrality. There's no such thing as political neutrality. There is no such thing as academic neutrality because once you remove God, once you remove morals from it, from any space or sphere of society, 
evil will permeate and evil will take its place. And that is what's, that's what we're seeing. So we thought the church was so blind and naive to think that in the 1960s, we can take the Bible out of schools. We can take God. We can take prayer out of schools. It is okay if we let women get safe, legal, and rare abortions. But now what happens? Literally, the slippery slope is not a fallacy because once again, we must evangelize a, a particular moral foundation. And if that moral foundation is not the Christian ethic, what will replace it is demonic, postmodern, secular, progressive ideologies yep. that are coming for you to attack you and ultimately attack your children. Come on. And this is what's happening. And so this is why I speak so boldly. And this is why I appreciate a lot of churches are waking up. And obviously, a lot of churches are going woke too, so that's also sad. But yeah. um, you know, I'm I'm I was invited this weekend, actually, this upcoming Sunday, to speak at Freedom House in Charlotte, North Carolina. Love the pastors there, uh, Penny and Troy Maxwell, and they're very vocal about it because they're very, very. They know that this is spiritual warfare. When right. politics moves from just simple tax policy and foreign policy to literally whether or not murdering your child in the womb is a good or bad thing, whether or not chemically castrating or sexualizing children is a good or bad thing, whether or not we should judge people based on the content of their skin or not by the content of their character. When all these things become political, which they've o they always have, and that's right. the thing. Like We've been naive to think that they weren't political, but they all were political because politics shapes policies and policy, po policies shape and affect people's lives. Right. So, all that being said, I am happy that a lot of churches are waking up. Uh, I was actually in Kentucky this past weekend, and I went to a church called Southeast Christian Church. It's a huge church, and I really liked what the pastor, um, I think his lead pastor's name was Kyle Eidelman or something, but he started to talk about um, in Ephesians 4 when Paul talks about a darkened understanding where people think they know so much that they don't know anything, and then mm. that's what happens when they're apart from God and they deviate from the wisdom and understanding that you get from God. And yep. he started to talk about how on his newsfeed he saw people like wailing and squealing about the Texas heartbeat law, but then the same people in the next, next post literally were squealing and wheeling about how turtle eggs were being poached. So people were more mad about turtle eggs being poached than alive babies with a heartbeat in the womb being killed. And then he was also talking about how feminists were celebrate pornography and the object objectification of women. But then they claim to be fe feminists for women's rights, right? And he also talked about how there's so many people today who say they're against racism but they're pro-segregation and they're trying yeah. to segregate people based on race. And he started to talk about all these things. I was like, wow. And this, this is a church of thousands and thousands of people. And I was like, yes, like taking a stand. Because again, a lot of what drives our politics today is deeply, deeply spiritual. And the root cause of all of it is sin. So the fact that Christians still think yep. that they can disengage from politics today is completely naive, completely immature, and for most Christians who believe that, unfortunately, it's just a justification uh, for their inaction and passivity because they idolize their comfort, safety, and security more than the truth and yep. more than helping and loving their neighbor. No, I, I completely agree, man. I think that, that we are where we are today culturally. Our education system is filled with everything that you just talked about. We see entertainment, we've seen what Hollywood's doing, and a big part of this is because the church has lost their voice, and because they've lost their voice, they've lost their power. And we're not walking in the same, um, the fruits of the Spirit, the, I mean, even the gifts of the Spirit. And, you know, I, I am very, you know, I'm very charismatic, non-denominational, where I believe that, that uh, the gifts of the Spirit, you can still operate today. But we've yeah. lost that because we've stayed quiet about it, and we've lost our faith in, in that process. Um, but it's, it's been interesting. It's like whenever there's like the greatest resistance is when the greatest glory comes out. It's like, it's that refining of the fire and the church, I think got tested majorly this past year when we were told you're not essential, your doors are closing. And I think it woke up the beast. Like, hold on a second. We were just sleeping at the wheel. And then a lot of pastors that 
haven't really, I mean, I, I don't know if a lot of these, a lot of the pastors that you even just mentioned, or even a lot of pastors that I've seen recently get a lot more vocal. I don't remember them being nearly as vocal until about this past year. And that's because our religious liberties were really tested to the point where we were told that we are not essential. We're not allowed to worship. That's in the constitution that we have the right, the God given right, no government, no federal branch has ever supposed to have the authority to go to all the individual states and say, you can't do this. You can't worship. And it's interesting because the churches and the pastors that actually took a stand, even in California, and then said, hey, no, we are going, send the bill, send the fine. We are going to keep our doors open. You do Mm -hmm. not have the authority. You have no authority to tell us what to do. And their churches blew up. And the reason why is because the truth is like a lion and it defends itself and people will automatically be drawn to it. And so I agree, man. I think that pastors not don't, I, I would like to even take it farther. Pastors in this day and hour, we're, what we're experiencing is we are seeing a Marxist takeover of our education system. We're seeing a Marxist takeover even into our, it's bleeding into the church. It's bleeding into entertainment and what, Marxism does not exist with the without God being removed. It cannot be implemented fully. Communism, Marxism cannot be implemented unless God is removed, which means the church cannot have a voice. And so, I mean, I would even say that church pastors need to push it and even have a class in their church. Hey, we need to have Christians run for office because this will dictate whether your children are being taught demonic Satan worship in essentially in our schools where, hey, yeah, at five years old, you can change your gender. It's a bunch, I mean, this is what we are up against. And I believe that we really need to have, the church has got to step up in a whole new way. And I know Turning Point is doing a big initiative of that with Turning Point Faith. Charlie Kirk and his whole team, they are gathering thousands of churches all over the nation. So there's hope there, but we are going to be doing, a, we have a lot of ground to make from the last 10 years, 15, 20 years of us just focusing on prosperity gospel um, and and really getting back the people that we lost from mm-hmm. from the hurt and the pain and the broken trust of the church at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, I love that. And you tweeted out conservatives are like, there's a difference between Christian conservatives and constitutional conservatives. Our constitution, our constitution founding principles and this country itself were literally all based on Christian ethic. You cannot have the constitution without Christianity. And bro, I love that. And what, what brought you to that, to that tweet of, of tweeting that out? Yeah, so I mean, I've been seeing a lot of times, a lot of conservatives, conservative, professing conservatives uh, tweet or post on Instagram recently about like, um, stop, stop trying to impose your morality or your religious on me, like your religion on me, right? I'm just gonna, I love freedom. And I'm like, like, here's the thing. And th- this is where I got a lot of flack too from so many people uh, when, you know, the porn star Brandy Love was kicked out of uh, SAS. And I said, no, that's absolutely right. There's no reason why a, like, active porn star, like an active porn star who celebrates this debauchery and literally makes money off of, like, literally, what's the word? Like, abusing and, like, like manipulating and getting young men and women addicted to pornography and ruining their lives. She it. profits off of this. This is not a good person. And yeah. it's like, they're like, oh, you're such a bigot for kicking her out of the event. I'm like, yes, we should kick out a, a active porn star. Athlete. Like, it, it's different if she was, you know, a porn in star. General in general mission. Or, or if she was even at general mission. She went into the VIP to network yeah. and talk to the leaders. And I mean, who knows what, where that could have gone. And I completely agree with you. But at least if they just had, if she just had a general mission ticket and like, was there to sit down and she was going to leave, but that's not what was happening and not the case. She was there on a mission. She was there on a mission to make a point and also portray that, Hey, I'm with all the turning point fam and they accept what I do. And that I think it's a complete twofold, which is where I agree with you. Right. And when you think about it, it's, there's a difference between a a person who used to be a porn star, but moved on from that life and repented and said, Hey, like I made a mistake. Versus someone who literally still actively 
profits off exploiting that's the word exploiting the addictions and the the literally suffering of young men and women and like for me too who used to be addicted to pornography and still you know still like it, it is a struggle it is always a battle because uh, we're always being refined and sanctified like i already knew who brandy love was because that's the kind of effect that porn had on my life so I'm like, no, I don't want this person here, and we shouldn't have this person here, and we have to enforce standards as conservatives. Right. And and then people were saying, oh, but she's a conservative too. Stop trying to like enforce your own brand of conservatism. And I'm like, conservatism means something, and it means to conserve the Judeo-Christian values that founded and built this free nation and the free world. And so you can't compromise on those values. And where we might differ is the role of government and whether or not this part of conservatism should be socially enforced or government enforced. And for me, for example, I don't think same-sex couples should be able to adopt. And that might be very controversial, but every child belongs in a home with a mother and a father. And that's what I believe, and I believe that's what the Bible believes, and I believe that's what conservatives should believe, because that's preserving the traditional nuclear family. And I believe that should be illegal. But some people might think, oh, that should just be socially enforced. Things like that. And that's where we can differ. But still, the principle still remains the same. Where, as a conservative, you believe that there is only one design for marriage. And that doesn't mean that I hate people or disdain people if they are, you know, avowedly gay. I have tons of gay friends. But that is the principle I hold by. And so we have to understand that even... Like our founding principles, people say I'm a constitutional conservative. So I only, I don't believe in Christianity, but I only abide by the constitution. But literally what inspired the constitution and our founding principles of this country was Christianity. The founding fathers literally wanted to hang people for obscenity. (laughs) They, the founding fathers did not. And the founding principles that founded this country literally would not have and does not permit pornography as something yep. to be celebrated. It is not a bastion and a blessing of liberty. That is right. not what freedom means. Freedom, even, so the freedom that we know um, in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and all our founding documents and our founding principles of freedom, it means to reject that which will destroy you and be able to have the liberty to pursue what is good and virtuous and righteous. And that is why we still have, we have freedoms protected um, under the Bill of Rights, but those freedoms still do have limitations. For example, freedom of speech. Yes, we are able to have freedom of speech, but we're not allowed to lie under oath. We're not allowed to slander or dox or, you know, um, lie when we're having contracts with people. But those are all speech, but you're not allowed to do that. And there are always limitations. Because freedom, again, slavery to licentiousness and slavery to vice, that is not freedom. And so you can't have a proper understanding of freedom. You can't have a proper understanding of the founding of this country. You can't have a proper understanding of the Constitution without a fundamental understanding of the Christian ethic. Because again... Our system of self-governance was made for a moral and religious people. And it is not for a, it's our system of government governance is not for a people of any other. This is what John Adams said. And so without Christianity, without Christian morals, and again, you don't have to be a Christian to believe this. There are tons of people that I know who love Christian morals. For example, Tim Poole is a great example. He loves Christian morals and he acknowledges this, that it was Christian morals that founded this country and founded the free world. And it is the foundation for our founding documents. But you don't have to be a Christian. I would like you to be, because that's the most important thing, uh, because your eternity hangs on this. But in order to be a conservative today, the standard that I will hold every single person to um, is whether or not you are applying the Christian ethic of marriage, of family, of race of yes. gender all these things to politics and that is where we get our values from as conservatives it's so good and last night on the on the speak truth um instagram live we had kevin king cat we had yolati we had amanda and sing and 
the entire night was themed around faith, the importance of faith in today's chaotic times, this political climate. And my goodness, if I did not have an eternal mindset, this is one of the things that we talked about last night. If we didn't have, if I did not have an eternal mindset in the midst of what is going on right now, or I did not have a daily, not just being a Christian, but I had a daily walk with Jesus. If I did not have this at the core and the foundation of who I am, I would be a lost, hopeless, depressed, probably suicidal person because I would have no purpose of living right now. Why to have kids? Why do I even want to grow up older? If this is going to, if this is what the world has to offer, what is the purpose of life? And that's why I really encourage you, even if you're listening and you're not a Christian, I always say this, start with the world, Christians and non-Christians, just like, a, like Tim Poole even said, the, the, mor- the, the morals of Christianity is very good and what it's done for the na- this nation. Um, we are today who we are because of the Bible and scripture um, and what our founding fathers believed. But what I would encourage every person that's listening, start with the gospels and read it like a, a biography of Jesus and study the man. Read the red letters, throw everything out. You don't gotta look at Genesis one, even though you should, but you, you don't gotta look at, start with Jesus, study how he treated people, study his characteristics, study how whenever things got, whenever he would go out and he would be with people and he would, he, he would, he would speak or he would be with friends, the, the, immediately what he would do to calm his anxiety and his stress, he'd go away, solitude. He respected the Sabbath. There was a lot of things that he did to protect his peace. And if we just take some of the practical implications of what Jesus did and how he lived his life, we will find that peace within us because Jesus is the source of it. Um, And I can honestly say that my days, when I start my day with a simple 10, 15 minutes of solitude and prayer and read one chapter. I, I literally will read. I, I, I'm like, the older I'm getting, it's more quality than quantity. Before I would read like seven, eight chapters a day and I felt more holier. And I'm like, yeah, I, <laughs> I read I, I read the whole book of Genesis or the whole book of Matthew in three days. I, I'm holy. And now I'm just like, you know what? I want to take one chapter and I want to spend 30 minutes on it. And you get so much more out of it. And uh, it's it really is life-changing. And as you go through life, when things start, when Someone, uh, it, when someone curses you out or something bad happens or someone's health, uh, you have a health problem, these, the, the momentary life afflictions, they, they just bounce right off of you. And when you have this eternal mindset, you understand what's going on in the world. Fear is not, you know, fear, yes, you're affected at times where you get fearful, but you're not, you're not abiding there. You're not staying in that place because the faith will overcome that. And again, the way that we find that is finding the love of Christ. And I mean, I, I could talk about Jesus all day. Um, <laughs> Ask him. <laughs> I, I, I love it, man. I, I absolutely love it. And I really encourage people, like, I'm st- start with the book of Matthew and just read one chapter a day and just analyze the life of Jesus. Regardless whether you come out a Christian or not, your life will be changed for the better. Um, last thing, last segment that we'll talk about before we wrap this thing up. Probably the biggest news of today, or at least last night, where we had a humongous, I mean, as you guys probably know, a lot of you guys may know that's listening, Project Veritas and James O'Keefe. Dude, this man has done more for the country than any GOP politician could have ever, (laughs) minus Donald Trump, hands down. Like, this man is exposing the most evil people to the point where now he's banned off of Twitter. I believe he's banned off of, uh, I think he's still on Instagram. He's, he's banned off these social media platforms. And last night he had the biggest leak. I would say it's his biggest leak that he's ever had, which is, um, actually I'm going to play it because I have the audio and I was prepared today. Um, but what you're listening to right now is a HHS federal doctor from the government, a whistleblower that goes public, um, and you'll hear her where she is based. They're basically discussing this vaccine and what it is doing to people and how they are shoving um, the bad adverse effects uh, results under the mat. Take a listen. The government doesn't want to show that the darn vaccine is full of is full of shit. Tell us about who this person is. 
Dr. Gonzalez is one of our emergency room doctors at Phoenix Indian Medical Center. And she's a federal employee? Correct. Now you got this guy in room four who got his second dose of vaccine um, on Tuesday, has been short of breath. And he's elevated. got myocarditis. Yes! Oh, this is bullshit. I, and and now, let's see. Probably myocarditis due to the vaccine. Right, but now they're not going to blame the vaccine. Well, and you know what? But he has an obligation to report that, doesn't he? They are not reporting. Right! Hold on. Uh, you guys just hear that. I mean, Kongman, they just said... First of all, you had someone that I believe they said congestive heart failure. Another person that came in, second dose of the vaccine. And the doctors are conflicted with themselves and having these conversations saying, this is, I mean, they literally said the vaccine is shit. What, that was the doctor. I don't know her. I don't have her name right in front of me. I mean, what what is your take from this? Because... You literally have people that we have federal employees that are scared to come out and talk about this. James O'Keefe got this exposed last night, which, again, you need to uh, just Google it. Project Veritas, um, HHS whistleblower, and you'll it'll pop up a comment. What was your initial thoughts from this video? I mean, it just confirmed that what we like just confirmed what we already knew. And what we already knew was based on evidence, was based on facts, was based on leaks and everything that's actually happening. But this was a bombshell because like this now like in audio and literally recorded video with that, it showed yeah. people that they're being completely lied to where um, they're under reporting. We look at we look at VAERS and the amount of VAERS reports for this vaccine is just crazy high. But even that's being underreported because they're telling their federal employees and doctors to not report it because yep. not only are they told not to report it and not to uh, um, like acknowledge it, but t writing up a VAERS report, it's not just people, random people just going on the internet. Blah, 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 blah. Like physicians and doctors are the ones filling out these adverse reaction reports. Yep. And then those take a while. They take like 30 minutes to an hour. And if it's really complicated, even more. That's a lot of work for nurses and doctors who are already really busy and tired from this whole scandemic. And so <laughs> it's real. there's that. And then even in the video, he mentioned they mentioned that they're not allowed to prescribe ivermectin and other medications. Oh, yes. And then so they're not allowed to prescribe life-saving medicines. And this all just shows us that they're underreporting the adverse reactions they are withholding life-saving medicines the biden administration is taking away monoclonal antibody treatments from floridians um they're doing all these things because they're just trying to uphold the narrative and they're willing to let people die and suffer as long as they can hold on and perpetuate the narrative that they have crafted in order to continue to c consolidate and grab more pelt uh, more wealth and power yeah. And that's all this has been about. Even when you think about the CDC, they're very clear on their data as well about the hospitalizations and deaths of vaccinated versus unvaxxed. And even if you get both doses of the vaccine and you die or you're hospitalized and you happen to have COVID in your system, if it's within two weeks, you are categorized as a COVID hospitalization or death. <laughs> but... It's like, I mean, who else is going to be hospitalized within two weeks of getting a vaccine unless you're having an adverse reaction? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and so but, they're hiding they, all of this. They are. And, and we have to ask ourselves why. I mean, guys, if you think this is about our health, we're so naive. Like, this is about money. I got my, oh, this is a praise, praise report, by the way. But I got my bill uh, about two, three weeks ago because I was hospitalized for COVID. I was in the hospital for about five or six days. My bill for being in the hospital for, all, for less than six days was $58,000. I was paying about, what is that, 12 grand a per day. And one of the main reasons for this, for this bill, remdesivir, which is the medication that they give every single patient that walks into every hospital in the nation this isn't like there, there's not like this like okay this person's 33 years old 
we need to get, and this person has these type of breathing problems with this. We're going to give them this medication. All right, this person, he's 65 and he is 150 pounds overweight. We're going to give him this medication. No, it's the same medication, the same protocol for every single person that walks in. The only difference is of what tank that we're going to give him for oxygen. But when it comes to medication, remdesivir is the god of medication in every single hospital. $7,200 per dose. Ivermectin, 160 bucks to 120, 120 to $160 per dose. If you're telling me, and Ivermectin, watch the Joe Rogan podcast with Eric Weinstein, and I, I forget the other doctor. You, um, it's like 1163 or something. Um, I should do better on the podcast number. But listen to that podcast because they go into the entire thing. This is all about money. And if you think, and the reason why is because, one, Ivermectin is not a patented drug. Remdesivir is. So this is about money, and that's what they're lying about this because they're, you have nations in South America, India, where they're giving every single citizen a care packet, and they get zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, all in this so that if they ever get COVID, they ever test positive, they take this right away. And what is the last ivermectin? I don't know if it's Guatemala or Ecuador. It's one of those two nations. I watched that video, and then I just read a report from India. But these are the questions that we have to ask. And, and if... If Fauci came out, Kongman, and was like, all right, all right, I can't even talk like him. All right, guys, I can't, I can't even try it. But if, if he the came droplets. out and was like, <laughs> the, the droplets, if he came out and was like, guys, we need everyone that has not gotten COVID in the last year that we know that does not have the antibodies, science, that doesn't have natural immunity, science, Everyone that doesn't have it, we really highly, highly, highly recommend you to take the vaccine because you don't have the antibodies. Also, on top of that, what we really recommend you to do is to work out and lose weight because 80% of the people in the hospital or in the ICU right now are obese. We also need you to start focusing on eating healthier foods. We need our people and our citizens the most healthy as possible in order to take on this virus when it affects them. But that's not the conversation. The conversation is all of everything that I just mentioned, including the vaccine, except the vaccine, is not a part of the airwaves. It's never been a part of Fauci's conversation except till three or four years ago, which you can actually hear him talk about natural immunity, eating healthy, losing weight, working out. He talks about all these things his entire career. But when it came to COVID, vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm looking right now, Kongman, at, and I wish I could bring this up on the screen. Maybe we'll do this in post-production. At a new report, a new case that just came out out of Israel. This is the numbers, July 1st through September 19th. The unvaccinated have the least percentage of deaths, almost 50% less, about 40% less deaths than the vaccinated with the booster shot. 4.2% vaccinated with the booster shot that, are, that get covid are dying in Israel. 2.5% vaccinated without the booster shot, 2.4% vac non-vaccinated at all. So you have, I mean, it's just nothing here is making sense when you look at Israel and you're seeing a nation that is the most vaccinated nation in the world, but they have the highest cases and they now are the highest, uh, they have the most vaccinated with the booster shot and what's happened to the charts everyone with the booster shot skyrocketing in death cases and hospitalizations and what does that tell us one something's wrong and someone's lying <laughs> <laughs> and and i think what we have seen now in this project veritas video is that's exactly what is happening and people are scared you mentioned um that in that video, one of the doctors is like, we're not allowed to prescribe ivermectin because if we do, they said that we would lose our job. That's it. This is how they are controlling everybody. They're controlling everyone by threats and saying you will lose your job. What happened a couple last week or two weeks ago? Biden, that administration came out. Every federal employee, you are going to lose your job if you do not take this vaccine. Every fireman and policeman, what happens? You're going to lose your job. And we have to come to a place where we have to be willing to not comply and fight back 
this tyranny because until we do, it won't stop. You have any thoughts on, uh, sorry, I just went off on a little rant. No, you're, you're totally right. And it won't stop because a year ago we, we said, hey, if this continues, they're going to have vaccine passports. People said, you're, you're lying. You're an right? idiot. You're, so it was always, it was just first 15 days of slow to spread. Okay, whatever. Then it's just a mask. Okay. Then it's just, you know, social distancing. Okay. Then it's just the vaccine. Okay. <laughs> then suddenly now we have to get a vaccine in order to go eat a burger in New York City. I mean, how did we get here? How the heck did we get here? And then on top of that, now they're saying, you know, it was eight weeks booster shots, uh, eight months, eight eight months booster shots. And then it was uh, six months, it's five months. Now today, J&J just came out and said, oh, we're going to have a two month booster shot. I'm like, two months. (laughs) Yeah. And then then now it's going to be a monthly. It's going to be a weekly it's gonna be a daily. Who knows? It could be like an hourly booster shot. So then, if you don't get your hourly booster shot by the state, oh goodness lord, you're gonna be fired. I mean, there is no end to this, and this is yeah. what politicians and these corporate tyrants have realized: that if you leverage fear and manipulate people yes. using fear, there's no end to what they can do. That people will comply because yeah. of the false promise of safety and security. Yes. And that's what people need to realize. They will not stop. Look at Australia. They are literally going to... Like, you think Biden's mandate's tyrannical? Look at Australia. They're literally introducing an app using facial recognition and geolocation where if you don't reply to that text message from the government within 15 minutes, and these are text messages throughout the day. So it could be in the middle of when you're taking a shower. It can be in the middle of you sleeping. You could be out playing basketball. And if you don't reply to that... Within 15 minutes with a selfie and your location, the government will come to your door to make sure that you are quarantining. And if you don't, you'll be arrested and taken to the concentration camps that they're building. And so this is not, this is like straight out of a science fiction dystopian novel, but it's literally literally happening in real life because there's nothing that these people won't do in order to demand your compliance because human nature does not change and people have always lusted for power, control, wealth, and fame. That is just, it's very simple. And you have have to think, people always think, "That's, that's too simple of an explanation. Occam's razor, sometimes the most simple explanation is the right one. And you have to have a fundamental understanding of the human condition and sin in order to also understand what's going on. And these people are nefarious and they don't care about you. And But the biggest thing, the biggest reason why people should not fear, I keep saying this, these politicians, these celebrities, the ruling elite, this ruling class, they are the most like selfish people who idolize their self-preservation and comfort. So then, but then they're not masking up. They're not socially distancing in private, but only when the cameras come on. Yeah. But they're not doing that why because they're not scared of this virus yep. and if they're not scared of this virus and these are people who will do whatever it takes in yep. order to preserve their status their wealth their power if these people aren't scared of it you should not be scared either Amen. just don't they, comply they want us to fear and i've said this before on the podcast they want us to fear something that they are not afraid of mm-hmm. they want us to fear something that they are not afraid of. Examples, I mean, there's plenty. 9-11, we watched all of them masked, all the politicians from Biden to AOC to Nancy to Obama to the Bushes, they were all masked outside, (laughs) outside. Let me say this again, outside. (laughs) Unbelievable. And then when the cameras were off them, you see all the pictures and they're all together, all bunched up not six feet apart, all hugging each other, all the masks are off their faces. We saw the video that Biden, he would run to a little kid and as he's running to the kid, he pulls his mask down to talk to the kid and the, and the mom and is talk like the point of keeping the mask on is when you're actually close and talking to someone. They don't believe anything that they're telling you to do. 
And when we talk, use the analogy of the Hunger Games, it's literally like we have the capital in D.C. and then us in Florida and us in Georgia and us in Texas, we are in District 12, 11, 10, <laughs> and we got the Emmys going down and all of the elites, all of Hollywood, L.A. County gets to tell the public health gets to say they don't have to wear masks because they're authors and they're celebrities and they're actors and they're producers and they're filmmakers. And, you know, if you're AOC, you can wear a dress that says tax the rich, rich and all of the elites and politicians can come to this. But the workers and the butlers and the people that are going to serve your food and your drinks, they got to wear a mask, uh, wear a mask in the same building. Dude, this is a full-on clown world, and nothing makes sense. And the end, I think it was George Soros or Hillary Clinton, we'll end right, we'll end right here. Uh, George Soros and, or Hillary Clinton said, or no, George Soros said it, and then Hillary Clinton mentioned it in the book, where you never waste a good crisis. Mm. You never waste a good crisis. That is what's being played out here, is these politicians— they need they they love fear. They thrive off it, and they want to manipulate your fear to fear something that they don't believe, so that they can control you, so they can remain in power. And I talked about this uh, last week on my Instagram, where the same type of King Herod power that we saw in, in in the Book of Matthew when Jesus was first born, where he tried to manipulate the three kings to say, "Hey, when you find this Jesus, please bring him to me, because I want to." bow down and worship him. I want to take care of you. I want to take care of your health. I want to do all these things because it's in my power. But in the reality, King Herod was scared to lose his throne from a boy that was born in Bethlehem. And when when the father actually gave the three kingsmen the, the vision and said, hey, the dream, hey, do not go there. What was the type of evil that King Herod did? He literally said, you know what? Just in case Jesus is still there, I can't risk it because I can't lose my throne. I can't lose my power. I'm afraid of losing everything. The most, the greed ate him alive. What did he do? He killed every single newborn baby in that entire city. This is the type of evil that we are dealing with. It's Mm. the same evil that was back then. It's the same evil today. The only difference is we live in a modern digital world, so it's easier to hide in the shadows. But what's starting to get scary is that we are actually starting to begin to see them come out of the showers, shadows because they're so much in power. They're like, you know, screw it. We're in control. We, no one can do anything. Even if everyone knows we run the system, we got the judges, we got, we got the elections. We know it's, we, we are in charge. Let's just be open about it. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that with the media. We're seeing that yesterday with big tech banning the video that completely exposes everything, like Kongman just said, everything that we already knew. But they want to suppress the truth. Um, mm-hmm. Man, we went for an hour. Uh, Kongman, you just lost your job for being a conservative. Your job came at you. They, they found your Instagram page. And I want to make sure that people that are listening, if they want to support you, if you want to also share 30 seconds real quick as we wrap this thing up and final thoughts, give us your final thoughts and then also where people can support you financially because uh, Kongman, seriously, he is, he is doing the good work. He works his butt off to get the word out. Um, he stands for Christian values. He loves Jesus and he is an awesome, uh, he's just an awesome content creator and doing more than most do. So uh, I definitely want to make sure that we support him. Uh, but you want to give us your final thoughts and then uh, where people can find you and support you. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jordan. I really appreciate that. Uh, final thoughts. I just want to say that um, like, if, if you're scared of losing your job, if you're scared of losing your livelihood, and like I, I empathize like for sure. I, ju- I just lost my job. Uh, but it's not going to get any better unless we stand up now and the time to be silent is over this country is spiraling out of control this whole world is spiraling spiraling out of control we've seen worse times in the past i mean world war ii the crusades um vikings you know we've seen a lot of bad stuff in the past but we've never seen this level of global collusion where people are being manipulated and brainwashed in this way before it's it's absolutely insane um so right now like we just got to stand up because Jordan, like you said, like these people have so much power. They run the system. They run the institutions. They run the culture. So they're just so brazenly out there like, hey, well, we're just going to do this. And you peasants have to live differently. But we have to show them that we peasants will say <laughs> no. And we're not going to stand right. for this. And so, you know, just keep speaking the truth in love. Speak boldly. Don't be, don't be quiet. Don't be scared. 
and don't be silenced because you're gonna find that there's so many people around you even if you don't know like there are so many people around you who support you maybe you're the like the one voice and the first voice that has to take that first step in order to strengthen people and mobilize people so yeah i mean i did lose my job and it was unfortunate but it was i guess i guess i saw it coming i just didn't think it was it would be in this way but um if you want to support me you can just go to my the link in my bio on instagram facebook um twitter wherever you find what's me on your social instagram media. handle uh the kongman lee the k-a-n-g-m-i-n-l-e-e the kongman lee yes and then in my um link in bio you're gonna find uh, a link to my venmo paypal or cash app try not use try not to use paypal they're super corrupt but venmo and yep. <laughs> i mean venmo is owned by paypal so that's also the cash app i don't know whatever you want uh yep. whatever's most convenient but if you want to donate i'd really appreciate it you don't have to but even a dollar even a dollar goes like a super long way in order for me to uh, start continuing and focus on my content now that i'm fired yep. and focus on um just doing what i need to do in order to exactly uh, fight for this country and fight for, you know, what, just like just the good, just the yeah. good and the truth. So that's what you can do. And thank you all so much. Awesome. Well, Conway, we love you, bro. And for everyone that's listening, don't forget, go to speaktruthwithoutfear.com. Um, and first thing that you can do is put in your email because it's the one way that we can stay in touch with you if we ever get deplatformed. The second thing I want to remind you guys is next, this, this uh, link will be in the description. September 29th, next Wednesday night at 7 p.m., we have our, our second community event. It's going to be on Zoom. We already have 185 people registered for it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be about an hour to hour and a half. Uh, me, Ross, the boss, the entire team, we're going to be speaking with you guys, talk, and really just having a full-on discussion of what are your guys' issues, what do you most concern, how we can help, and uh, we're really excited to also show you guys the new community platform that we've been working on over the last three months. Uh, it's almost done. We're still in beta. We're going to be doing a full launch in November, but you will also be able to take part in the beta after the community event if you want to be a part of it. So again, uh, the, that link is in the bio. Kongman, we love you, bro. And uh, we will talk to you guys and see you on Friday.